Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I am Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa, and we've got a special guest, Andrew Forbes, coming in to talk about some Maple Leafs hockey today. We're going to break the ice with our rising and falling segment. We're coming back to that again now that we're almost 15% into the schedule, believe it or not. And, of course, we're going to be talking about the Vegas Golden Knights, their start, their goalie situation, Shifashev, uh, whatever. Uh, so we got a great show for everybody today. Sit back and enjoy. Hello, hockey fans, and welcome once again to the Vegas Hockey Podcast. I'm Mark Warner, along with Chris Lisa. We are now going to be affiliated with the inaugural launch of the Hockey Writers podcast page over at thehockeywriters.com. We're talking with J.D. Styles from Cali Sports News reporting live from the Stanley Cup Finals. And today we're being joined by the first general manager in Las Vegas franchise history, George McPhee. With Pat Quinn. You know, I'm likely the finest man I've ever met in my life. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Clint Check. There's something about George McPhee that everybody says is a good pick. This is the Vegas Hockey Podcast. We're talking with Dana Lane, play-by-play voice of the UNLV Rebel Hockey Team and owner of Dana Lane Sports. Joining us now is Matt Pryor of thehockeywriters.com. He's coming to us from the Dallas Stars training camp. All right, folks, here we go. Another episode of the Vegas Hockey Podcast on tap for you. Let's just... uh, let everybody know where they can find us out over to grandstandsportsnet.com. We're, we're on their podcast page. You can go to SoundCloud and, and search for Russ. Actually, Mark, it's grandstandsportsnetwork.com. Okay. Okay. Grandstandsportsnetwork.com. Okay. Thanks. Thanks right. a lot for that. Then go to SoundCloud, uh, search for the Sportsology page there. We're hosted over there as well as at thehockeywriters.com. You guys can always find us over at iTunes, uh, Google Play. Make sure you hit the subscribe button, leave us a message, give us a review, let us know how we're doing. That always helps. We appreciate that. Um, let's. Uh, we we kind of got a little bit, little bit of a thing going here. I think we're going to change things up and go right to our Maple Leafs talk this morning. Andrew, are you on the line, sir? I am. All right. Well, we jumped we jumped you up in the pot, in the queue there since since I saw that you were waiting to come on. How are things going for you, sir? Uh, very good, guys. Very good. We're glad to be uh, back on with you both. Oh, it's always great having Andrew on. For those of you who've been following the show for a while, you know Andrew's been around off and on. When, whenever we need some Maple Leafs insight, he's always good enough to come and join us. Um, you can follow him at Andrew G. Forbes on Twitter, and he links all of his content from thehockeywriters.com, where he's their lead Maple Leafs writer. And he also picked up, since the last time we talked to him, uh, a position over at Grandstand Sports Network, uh, NHL scout 
for the Grandstand Sports Network. How, first of all, how did that come about, and how is that going for you? Well, I uh, I jumped on with um, I took a, a scouting course, I guess, a, a, an internship with ISS uh, Scouting. And uh, it kind of just unraveled from that. Um, you know, Chad uh, over at Grandstand was kind enough to offer me a spot. And, uh, you know, being here in London, I get to get to watch the Knights. Uh, I'm covering the Knights now for the hockey writers as well. And, you know, I, I've done a little play-by-play for the Junior Knights, so I get to see these kids at, you know, 15, 16 come up and, and, and really, you know, develop into what they want to develop into. So, you know, I get a, get a chance to see these kids young and, and uh, kind of work their way through the ranks. And, you know, that's always helpful when you're when you're looking to scout some of, you know, the next uh, next class of NHL players. Now, now I, I'm unfamiliar with it, so um, I want I wanted to ask you about that gig with the the junior knights there. Um, when, when they're 15, 16 years old, have you have you spotted people that you just know have that that uh, intangible it, and you could say that there's going to be a hockey player, or how how far along are they in their development when, as a scout, you you can put your finger on them and say this kid has special. Um, whether it be hockey IQ or or a certain skill set that's going to translate, you know, as they move up through the ranks uh, into a a professional hockey player? Well, you know, it's there's always room to to get better. There's always room to develop uh, your game. But, you know, even go back to to guys like Connor McDavid and when they played, you know, they they got uh, early exception into the OHL and and really – you know, were able to kind of develop against an older crowd. So, you know, they they were maybe a step ahead of some of the guys that I get to see at, uh, you know, with the junior nights. But, you know, you're talking minor midgets. So, like I said, 15, 16 prior to their OHL year or or whichever route they decide to take. Some some go to the NCAA. Um, and, and, you know, you, you do kind of clue into to guys to watch, um, you know, the Suzuki's here in, in, um, London, uh, they were both, both great players, uh, for the junior Knights. Um, and you know, you kind of latch on to some of these players and, and, and really keep an eye on them as they, as they continue to, to develop. So, you know, it, it's, it's not always easy to see you, you'll miss some guys and, and there's some guys that you, you know, maybe latch on to and, and uh, never really make it into what you may have thought when you first saw them play. So you're you're always going to have misses, but it, it's those those guys that you can really find those little gems, um, you know, in the uh, in the game that uh, really, I guess, provide you with a a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. Well, you mentioned Nick Suzuki, and when we were at the rookie camp here and and actually well into the regular camp he got into a few games uh with the golden knights during the preseason as well he to me to me just the eye test um obviously quick obviously skilled very comfortable in his surroundings and and i personally i thought he was out of the the draftees in the amateur draft that the golden knights were able to select including cody glass he looked to be you know, he was the standout on the eye test. Uh, as Cody Glass came through camp, 
he got more and more comfortable with his surroundings and and you started to see why the Golden Knights took him with the sixth overall pick. But from day one, I thought Nick Suzuki was that guy that had it. He, he, uh, you know, quick, skilled, great stick. Um, talk, talk just briefly about, about what you see in Nick Suzuki for the Golden Knights fans that are listening. Well, I mean, you mentioned it. He's got the hockey IQ. He can see the ice very well. Um, you know, he's got the speed, he's got the shot. Uh, just look at his numbers alone right now in the OHL. And, he, you know, he's leading He's leading quite the class of uh, OHL players right now. But, you know, something that's kind of stood out to me, um, I, I've had a chance to see him a couple times this season already. Um, and, you know, for a small guy, he doesn't uh, shy away from the, the physical play. And, you know, you kind of need Absolutely. that in, in the NHL. I know, I know we're kind of, you know, getting away from – um, you know, the grinders and the, and the enforcers and all that in the game, but you still, hockey's still a contact sport. So for for you to be a, a small guy, a small skilled guy, I mean, look a guy like Patrick Kane. He's he's fantastic. He's, you know, his his, his ability on the ice is, is unquestionable. But when you can add that physical element like Nick Suzuki plays with, you know, it, it gives you that little bit of edge over, over some of the players around you. And, and it makes you, you you that much better. So that to me is one of the biggest standouts when it comes to Suzuki. You know, you hit the nail on the head with that because even even as they got out of the rookie games and into you know the regular exhibition season, his goals weren't coming. You know, he scored a couple times off the rush, whatever. But his, his, the the goals, the game he had the hat trick in, uh, all three goals were scored inside of ten feet down. You know, as they in the dirty area and he showed even then he was willing to go down low and pay the price to get in there and muck in and, and score the rebound goals when he's getting checked you know you know what I'm saying so I you, you hit the nail on the head that was another thing I wanted to highlight about Nick was that he does not sh- and you could say undersized player you know but um, he doesn't play to his size he plays above his size and and uh, you hit the nail on the head with that that's that's good insight from you sir well, let's uh, let's roll into some Toronto Maple Leafs talk. I'm gonna go ahead and bring in Chris. I kind of monopolized the first start of the conversation, so we'll bring Chris Lisa in from Long Island and uh, kick off some Maple Leafs talk. Chris, hey, it's always great to have Andrew on the show. Uh, one of our early guests, and uh, he's he's been on ever since. So, Andrew, you know. Um, when people say or read articles, people say, you know, look for the Maple Leafs to make a may have a long run. Maybe they'll be this year's Ottawa Senators in terms of a long playoff run. And I can see that, but I, I kind of raise my hand and say, are they strong enough on the blue line to, to do that? And I have kind of a big question mark to that. And if, if, if not, are they willing – uh, between now and the trade deadline to trade some of their prized prospects like a Jeremy Bronco to, to land a, a, a defender to, for their NHL roster? To be honest, I don't think they're strong enough on defense. Um, you know, that's that's one of the biggest things that we've seen with teams that have gone deep in the last couple of years is that they do have a, a strong, deep defensive core. And, and right now, we haven't seen enough of that from Toronto. And you know, you, you can put all the blame you want on, on Frederick Anderson just not stopping certain pucks, but, I mean, he has stood on his head at times, and the Leafs just can't get it done in their own zone. Um, you know, I, I think 
they they have a relatively strong one two, but when you get into the three four and five six and they're kind of all interchangeable, that's when you start to question how deep your defensive core is. And right now, you know, you're switching between Callie Rosen, uh, Borgman, Carrick. Um, you know, Gardner's had. Uh, you know, I, I haven't been one to pick on Gardner a whole lot. Um, he he gets crucified in the in the media for for how he plays but for me um you know i think gardner's mistakes are magnified because they often lead to goals and and the same thing happens has has happened so far this season is that you know he just can't seem to get away from making that one big mistake that leads all ultimately leads to you know the opposition scoring and you know, when you're getting that from your defensive core, you know, you, you dig yourself some pretty big holes to try and get out of. So in terms of the def- the depth of the defenseman, I, I think that's where Toronto's really going to have to look at themselves and say, okay, we've got to move something to get a piece back. And whether, you know, they have some kids in the NH- or in the AHL that are waiting to make that jump. So, you know, you can always look at a guy like maybe um, – you know, JVR or or a guy like uh, Bozak and, and add a few prospects to maybe get that, secure that defensive piece that you need to, to go a little further in the playoffs. I actually think that the Vegas Golden Knights with all their, you know, different defensemen, now granted, a lot of them are going to be unrestricted free agents, so uh, I don't know, you know, if Toronto's willing to go down the road of, you know, looking at a rental. I mean, but I look at a kid, and uh, you know, I'm biased. I, I since I joke between me and Andrew uh, about Jeremy Bronco, who's from here out in Long Island, but he is a talented young kid. The Leafs have a lot of young uh, forwards. He would be a great guy for Vegas to pick up in a trade, maybe at the deadline when uh, looking to, to build their team. Do you think Toronto will be willing to trade a piece, uh, a player like that, and uh, let's say a second round pick? for a, a rental defenseman? I mean, sure. I, I, you have to think about it. Like, Brocko's in a long line of, of uh, prospects that are, like I said, waiting to get their opportunity. You've got Mir Altonen. You've got um, Kasperi Kapanen. You have Josh Levo. Like, all these ki- all these guys are waiting for their opportunity. Um, and and a lot if of that's the case, prospects. a lot of forward prospects. And if that's the case... yeah. You know, maybe you move a guy like Brocco to give him an opportunity to grow and 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 crack an NHL lineup down the road, um, and and find a, a way of getting a piece back. Whether it be, you know, and, and like you said, you, you if you're the Leafs, you don't want to grab a rental player. That being said, if you're the Leafs, you've put, uh, you know, you've put three years of commitment into Patrick Marlowe. That tells me that you're in in a spot where you think you can win within the next three years. If that's the case, you want, you want whatever you can get over these next three years. So if that's a Nate Schmidt, a Shea Theodore, something like that, or, you know, even a Lucas Sabiza, like somebody who you can justify putting him out there on a, on a nightly basis that can give you, you know, 75 to 82 games, of strong defensive in in zone uh, play. I mean, you know, they it was great that they re-signed Polak. Uh, he, he's he's a stay-at-home defenseman, but he's not still not getting the job done. And part of that is who he's partnered with. It, it, you know, there's no chemistry right now in that defense the defensive core and you know, if if 
moving a guy like Brocco can bring in a piece that, you know, can gel well and, and fit into that team. Um, you know, that's, that's the kind of dynamic that you have to find when you, when you want to make a, a push in the playoffs. And like I said, if you've got Marlowe for three years now, you're not just using him as a veteran presence to teach these kids for the next three years. You want to win now. And that's why Marlowe came to Toronto in the first place. Now, before I hand you back to Mark, uh, Andrew, uh, you mentioned Van Rienstijk, and, you know, this summer, probably if it wasn't for Duchesne and Tavares, uh, Van Rienstijk, you know, definitely gets the, the bronze medal for the Trade Rumors Award. Uh, award. But, um, you know, he's a UFA. It's From a cap standpoint, it's hard to see how the Leafs sign him when they have to lock up uh, Matthews, Moner, and Nylander over the next year or two, and with the incredible rise of uh, where the players' salaries are going. But to me, um, maybe you can comment on this, it seems like he's a tricky guy to trade because he is a free agent, uh, unrestricted free agent at, at the end of the year. So the acquiring team, it could be uh, a rental situation. Toronto's not looking to trade him to get draft picks. They would be looking for, uh, again, a, a guy they could put on their blue line. But unless that player... Uh, is also going to be a pending unrestricted free agent. Uh, the team that would acquire Van Riemsdyk, it could be uh, that even if they need offense and want to trade defense, that could be problematic. So uh, how do you see the Van Riemsdyk situation? Well, I think you, you have it spot on. I mean, it's tough to trade a guy like that um, going into a free agency year and, and you know, getting something worthwhile back. So, I think come the deadline, the Leafs are really going to have to look at where they are uh, in in relation to playoffs, in, to, in relation to you know home ice advantage, um, and that's going to play a huge part in it. I, I I don't see them re-signing him only because, as you mentioned, they have a number of young young guys that they have to re-sign that are going to be deserving of of big pay increases as well. And on top of that, you have Anderson signed, you have Gardner signed, you have Riley signed to, to massive contracts. So, you know, we will see the cap go up a, a little bit over the next couple of years, which will give them a tiny bit of wiggle room, but not enough to, to lock up a, a Van Riemsdyk for, I would assume he'd want a long-term contract in, in the, you know, six to eight year range. Um, if he were to stay in Toronto and, you know, I just don't see him taking a pay cut to, you know, allow the Leafs to 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 lock up Matthews and Marner and Nylander. That being said, you know, I've had this discussion a few times with a coworker of mine about, you know, will the Leafs be able to even re-sign the three of those kids and, and uh, you know, still put a competitive team on the ice? And it's it brings up an interesting topic that, you know, let's say they can't re-sign those three. Um, you know, do they sign JVR, and which one of them do they let go? You know, there's a there's a whole wide range of possibilities here, and I don't think we're going to get any inkling of of uh, understanding into it unless you know we know where they're sitting once the the deadline comes around. Yeah, real quick, we'll uh, talk with uh, just so everyone who, real quick, Mark, just to put a, a bow on that point. Uh, most people say, well, wait a minute, that's impossible. How could they not sign those three, uh, Marner and, and uh, Matthews and uh, um, Nylander? Those three, with the way the salaries are going, will probably be right about $30 million 
for, for the cap space. And when you're dealing with a $75 million cap, and you have to, that's the 23 players, uh, and, and you want to get better on the blue line uh, and, get, and get a massive player somehow, some way, uh, that is, uh, you know, math don't add up. So uh, uh, that, that's, that's problematic. Well, Chris, so anyway. the other thing to con- sorry, the other thing quickly to to re- to consider as well is, you know, everybody's going to be compared to McDavid now in terms of uh, of the dollar amount. So you're looking yeah. at a guy like Matthews. He's gonna he's gonna command probably in the range of of Connor McDavid money. Um, you jump down to Nylander. He's probably looking at, you know, eight, eight. nine million a, yep. eight nine million a year. Um, so Marner, who in his rookie season also put up um, more than, you know, 60 points. Um, now you're talking about, you know, another eight or nine million. He might be the odd guy out, which blows my mind because, you know, you have the Mark Hunter London Knights uh, connection, as well as you've got a Toronto, you know, native that, you know, would love to play for his his home team. But it, when it comes down to it, he just has less tangibles um, than a guy like Nylander and a guy like Matthews. So, you know, it, it's an interesting discussion to be had, but, you know, again, we, we, we won't really know until we see where the cap is when, when they're re-signing, uh, when their contracts come up. I've been reading guys that Matthews might get more than, uh, than McDavid. I've seen 13 and a half uh, a year on a mat on an eight year deal. So, uh, uh, anyway, uh, go ahead, Mark. Not bad for a kid from the desert southwest, southwest huh? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no kidding. Not too shabby. Yeah. We're talking with Andrew Forbes, uh, lead, lead Maple Leafs writer from the Hockey Writers on the Vegas Hockey Podcast. And uh, we have a score update. Golden Knights won. Senators nothing. Alex Tuck, his fourth of the year from Carlson. Oh. A power play goal at That's 424. The first that, that Minnesota so trade was good. Uh, yeah. Uh, what are you going to say? That. 6'4", 220, skates, hands. Uh, Tuck's going to be a keeper for sure. Really like – he was one of the standouts in camp when we were down there looking at him. But you did mention Patrick Marlowe, and I did want to get back to that a little bit. Um, I keep hearing it's early in the season from a lot of, let's say, uh, Oilers fans, Canadian fans. Well, Canadian fans are a little bit uh, off the cliff right now, but uh, it's – you know, there's 15% of the season's been played – already and to me you know these points every every day are important and so we've had a pretty good sample size of what Patrick Marlowe's doing with the Maple Leafs at this point kind of break down and talk a little bit if you will about about what he's been able to bring to the team on the ice and in the room well I mean you know on the ice I think his nine points in 14 games speak for themselves I mean you're talking about a guy who's pushing 40 and He's still able to put up those kind of numbers early in the season. That's, you know, that's impressive. Um, it is. His move to the, to, yeah, and his move to center ice, you know, there's been a lot of line juggling lately in, in uh, Leafland with, you know, their their struggles and, and guys in and out of the lineup. And so, I mean, it's it, it'll be interesting to see how long he lasts at center. But as of right now, it, it seems to have, uh, have sparked a little bit more offense from, from the team that, you know, in, in October could do no wrong. Um, but, I, you know, I think one of the things I noticed, and I, I, I rewatched it about two or three times when he was honored in San Jose, 
And and one of the things I noticed was the look on on the the faces of his his current teammates, and you know all of them watching the 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 big board and and seeing the the respect that the fans and and the uh, his former teammates had for him, and I think that alone, sure. uh, you know, it, it really helps show these kids that you know you want to you want to have that kind of effect on on your team you want to have that kind of effect on the city that you play for and you want to have that kind of effect on you know on your on your teammates so i think that in that respect it, you know bringing a guy like that to give that veteran presence to give advice to these young kids that are you know still learning the the ropes in the nhl i think that is is really the the major role of of marlow on this team and you know i i don't know if he can really put a price on it so when you look at his contract, a lot of people were up in arms when he signed it. And I, for one was at the beginning and I sort of sat down and thought about it and said, you know what? Six and three quarters. He's, he's worth it per year. If, if he can bring that kind of uh, veteran presence, that kind of mentality to a, to a young team. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you go through not just hockey, but all sports and sometimes, you know the the veteran signing to to play the mentor role. Um, you know, at, you mentioned his production here to start the season on the ice. That's almost a bonus when you look back at at bringing in guys that have been through the ropes, um, and as you said, garnered the respect of teammates and the fans alike for years and years in San Jose. Um, former captain. So when when you bring in that kind of a player. You know, the term is probably the biggest thing that Maple Leafs Nation was was considering. Um, but if you look at the kids, they're, that's going to be where the end of their entry, entry-level contract is, right? So the timing, you give them the extra year, right, to bring in a, a player like that. And, you know, it's, it's a grind. It's an 82-game schedule, and, and it's, the, the, the big three there have, have gone through at one time, but how to prepare yourself in the offseason, how to show up to the rink every day as a professional. The, that's the kind of things that, that, you know, it's hard to teach and, and you can't, you know, the coaches can do and say, uh, talk till they're blue in the face. But when, when you have a guy like that come in and lead by example, it does nothing but, you know, if, if, the, if the old guy's going to do it, I can't be 19 years old and show up hungover or tired and dragging my legs around camp. Look at this guy. He's been here for 20 minutes already. Kind of a, kind of a thing in the room. I think long-term for those three players, uh, it's a, it's a, it was a, you know, fantastic signing from my opinion. 100%. Yeah. And I mean, even you look at a guy like Nazem Kadri, who, uh, you know, a few years into his career, he held out uh, on a contract. Uh, you know, a couple of years later, he was suspended for two games for missing a meeting and, and, and apparently sleeping in. So, you know, there's a guy who has learned from some of the some of the veterans that have come through this system. There's a guy who's developed into, you know, arguably one of the leaders on this team. He, he's second in scoring. He's learned that his role is not on the offensive end. Sure, he's going to get his opportunities, but his role is to be a defensive shutdown guy. And, and that is something I think that it is, you know, um, priceless as well is when you get guys that kind of buy into the system, and I think with a guy like Marlow there, it, it's going to do wonders for this young squad. 
Absolutely, absolutely. Well, let me bring Chris back in, and we'll kind of wrap up the Maple Leafs talk and go around the league with you a little bit. Chris? Yeah, I got one more for Andrew, and, uh, you know, it's uh, more of a look at the NHL. So, Andrew, like you said, it's early, but, we, you know, played about a, most teams played about a dozen games. You know, what? which NHL team has surprised you in a good way, and which one has surprised you in a bad way? Well, in a good way, uh, I mean, I, I think this is perfect because it's, it's got to be the Golden Knights. Um, you know, the way that they've yeah, been able right. to start in, and <laughs> Uh, yeah, well, you know, and I, I wrote a piece uh, not long ago about um, the Golden Knights, uh, the NHL's uh, band of misfits, and that's exactly what they are. They're they're the castaways of, of, you know, all 30 teams that have, you know, come together and banded together and, and found a way to, you know, fight for every single point that they've got. And, I mean, you're talking about losing arguably the face of their franchise in, in Marc-Andre Fleury. You're talking about, you know, um, having traded Calvin Picard. Uh, you get Malcolm Subban comes in, plays three very good games. Um, and then you have Oscar Dance come in, uh, you know, somebody that, you know, the average hockey fan hasn't even heard of. And he comes in and he's able to, to really, you know, put up a, a good a good fight. And then even your, you know, legacies coming in and, you uh, they they haven't bit looked out of place at all, and I think that to me is is probably one of the most exciting things about this this expansion season for for Vegas is just their their ability to continually to push forward. And you know, you talk about whether a, a season can be won or lost in October. I think if if you're looking at that, I mean, Las Vegas has has certainly uh, done a great job at trying to win, uh, you know, their se- their first season in 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 October. Um, you know, if you want to talk about teams that aren't so surprising, um, you know, honorable mention, of course, to a team that has surprised me so far, it goes to New Jersey. I think the Devils have done quite the job in turning it around and, and really building around that team and, and trying to get some scoring there as well. Um, jumping to, you know, a team that might have surprised me uh, in terms of what they haven't been able to accomplish this year is, it's got to be Edmonton. Um, you know, yeah. this looks like the same Oilers team that, for years, had first round, first or top five picks and just couldn't get anything going. And now you've got arguably one of the best, if not the best, player in in the NHL, and you're still struggling to to find ways to win. So, you know, you got to question: Is Cam Talbot the real deal? Is is uh, you know, did they? Did they mess up in, in moving Eberle for, for Strom? Uh, you know, there's so many questions right now around the Oilers, and um, I just think that that's got to be, if if not the biggest surprise, it's got to be a close second. Um, I know a how lot of people... Big, wanna, real quick, Andrew, how big picture, how how worried would would should one be about the Oilers? I mean, yeah, it's a 12 games, but uh, how worried big picture... Um, you know, you have to look at it and say, and realize that you still have the, like I said, arguably the best player in the league. Um, yeah. I, I, the problem is you've got one line of scoring and that, that's, yep. um, that's you know, it. You, tr- you tried to experiment a little bit by moving dry off that, that line with McDavid and that didn't work. Um, it seems 
it seems like the way McDavid goes is the way that Dreisaitl goes. And, and if you don't have them kind of paired together, then, you know, your scoring really do- takes a, a nosedive off the, off the table, right? So um, I, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be extremely worried, but I, I'd be looking for some kind of shakeup from the from the Edmonton Oilers in the next uh, month or so. Well, the problem I have with the Oilers is they're going back to their tendencies, like you said, from three four years ago, um, where where there was one play that I highlighted during last week's show. Is there's the there's three Oilers basically between the circles in the slot. There's, there's uh, the opposing player, and I forget who it was now, was going around behind the net with a player on him. That's four guys. The, they had a, tri- a triangle shape formed in, in the slot, basically. The, the opposing player was able to skate through that triangle, get a stick on the ice, take the, the blind centering pass from a streaking player behind the net, and roof it over Talbot. You can't let someone just skate into the slot around, you know, through three players and get a stick on the ice uh, unmolested. It, and th- that's the Oilers that we were used to seeing, you know, from 2000 to 2015, 16, 17 even. So, the, and and they highlighted another play where they got uh, too many men on the ice call. And, you know, all three forwards that were changing were were straight-legged into the bench from, from the blue line. Um, that that kind of stuff can't happen if you're going to be the team that they were last year and go into the second round of the playoffs or maybe farther. Um, and those are things that became habits with a lot of players on this team. And I'm surprised a lot to see Coach, you know, and I'm sure he's not letting it happen, but um, to see a team regress back to those kind of habits when you work you know, bottom of the barrel, let's face it. Uh, Oilers Nation better shape it up. And it's not just, um, you know, Cam, Cam Talbot and his, I believe, you know, 3.0 goals against. I have it right here. Yes, 3.09 goals against and a 9, 9.05 save, save percentage. Um, he's only 4, 5, and 1. But a lot of what's happening with Talbot is the, the play of the team in front of him that I've been to see and I've watched a few other games so far this season it's just and it, we're kind of blending into our rising falling segment we're going to do after we're done with with Andrew here but um, um to me that's the disappointment of the season a lot of people had uh you know maybe not as bad but Montreal taking a step back um didn't really see the the devils uh rising up in the east the way they have but to have a team that a lot of people pick to go to the Stanley Cup final and represent the West come out and really lackluster play, um, and it's uh, and and watching the Golden Knights and I don't know how much of the of the Golden Knights you've been able to see so far a little bit more now that they're out on the East Coast. This team fights for every 50-50 puck. This team puts a stick in every single passing lane. This team competes at the highest level that I, I that I've seen in the National Hockey League this year. And then to compare and contrast that with what I've seen out of Edmonton's this year of, of a team that's supposed to be a Stanley Cup final contender, Andrew, I, I, I can't pick a more disappointing team than Edmonton. Well, and, and just to add to what you were saying, I mean, I, you look at Vegas, they've scored 42 goals this season, okay? 42 goals from a team that, I mean, aside from James Neal, are not known offensive top 10 players, okay? So... 43, 43 now. Goals in, in, 
43 now. Yeah, <laughs> 43 now in, in 12, 12 uh, almost, you know, halfway. 12 in a period? Yeah. Right. So, I mean, you look at a team like Edmonton, they've scored 30 goals. 30 goals, and you have the only guy to reach 100 points last season. You have 30 goals. That to me and not only that, but to, most... to, to talk about Connor McDavid, he's not even leading the team in goal scoring. He's got five right, and no, Hopkins has six. That can't continue that, either. That, that's probably the most appalling stat out of everything, is that they're, they're, they're dead last, tied with Calgary, in, in goal scoring this season. That, that, to me, is something that needs to change. Hey, guys, real yeah, quick, no if question. I can make a quick point, what you just said sure. about a uh, real quick point about the Oilers is, uh, you know, with the way the Kings uh, have been uh, playing could be, you know, back to being a strong team. And even if the Golden Knights wind up being a sell at the deadline, when you also have the Sharks and, and, uh, and the Flames and, Obviously, the Ducks and Oilers, everyone uh, wrote them in in ink to finish in the top two. All of a sudden, that division, it could be a lot better than we anticipated. And, and the Oilers uh, uh, may not even, you know, it's it's not crazy talk to say uh, if their up-and-down play to be kind continues, maybe they even miss the playoffs. And, Mark, when you read off Cam Talbot's uh, goals against Salvage, it, it, it flew me back uh, in time. I said, wow, the NHL has really changed because when I started following hockey in the 80s, a 309 goals against that average puts you in the conversation for the Vesna. Sure. Well, I, Chris, I mean, that, that, was, that was the days of, of when, you know, the Oilers in the 80s could put up, you know, seven, eight goals a game and, yeah. and win eight to yeah. five with Grant Fuhr, you know, in that, right? Yeah. But, I mean – you mentioned not, them not making the playoffs. I mean, it was, there's so much talk about how Montreal has lost their season in the in the first month of the season. You know, Absolutely. we're 15 percent of we're 15% of the way through the the season, and Edmonton sitting in the same spot that that Montreal is sitting with nine points. Sure, they have a game in hand, but nine points through 12 games that's just unacceptable. Uh, and and to me, you know. Your, your cutoff for the playoffs probably going to be around the 93, 94 point mark. That that leaves a huge hole for Edmonton to climb out of right now. I, I would be shocked at this point if they can put together, you know, a, a seven, eight, nine game win streak and, and find their way out of this hole. And real quick, guys. Put it know, in perspective. Uh, Arizona Arizona has one win and three points. And they're they're within shouting distance of Edmonton, so that says it all. Yeah. Yeah, and real quick, right. you know, uh, you can't you can't clinch a playoff spot in October, but you, you sure can, can lose one. I saw that last year with my Islanders. They they finished with ninety four points, which they rallied, but they went six ten and four in their first twenty games, and they missed the playoffs by one point. So um, you can you know a bad start uh, could definitely sink you and. And then the game today with probably, I think it's around a third of the games uh, going to overtime, which means three-point contest, uh, it is very hard to, to, to come back when uh, you're that many points down. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. Well, Andrew, let them know where they can find all your stuff, sir. Uh, you can head over to the Hockey Writers. You can check out the Maple Leafs 
homepage on the Hockey Writers, or you can search me, Andrew Forbes. You can also find me on Twitter at Andrew G. Forbes or Tape to Tape THW. All right. Well, thank you, sir. It's always a pleasure coming in and talking hockey with you, sir. And thank thank you for giving up part of your Saturday, I, I guess, early afternoon where you are out east. So we appreciate always having you on, sir. And we'll definitely have you back and talk some more Maple Leaf hockey down the road. Anytime, gentlemen. You uh, you just let me know. I'll be there. Thanks, Andrew. Appreciate we'll have that. you back on appreciate when we that. trade uh, Luke, Lucas Spisa for Jeremy Bronco and a second and a second round pick. <laughs> Yeah, I want Kapanen. I want Kapanen. <laughs> hey, uh, you, get, you guys can have him. He's not getting enough time here in Toronto. I'm sure we could get him at least third-line minutes. Well, all right, Andrew, we'll talk to you down the road. Thank you. Again, Thanks, sir. Andrew. All right, boys. All right, Andrew G. Forbes coming in, doing a great oh, job, great. as always. Every time he's back here on the show, I always love talking hockey with him. He's right there in the – in the motherland of hockey. So uh, it's always great to get that perspective. Um, well, let's, uh, let's, since we already blasted the Oilers, <laughs> let's, uh, let's go the opposite direction. We're going to, it was our breaking the ice segment, but uh, let's, let's go to our risers and fallers, Chris. And you highlighted a couple teams during the weekend. I had, a, had them highlighted as well. Um, let's uh, kick off with the riser the, the of the season. Maybe not, a little bit of a surprise, but we, we both had them pick to do well in the division. Uh, St. Louis Blues. What, what, uh, you, you, oh, in I, show notes, you, you, you had it, uh, you know, what's going on in St. Louis. And I went through, I went through a bunch of the stats that they have and I wasn't able to answer that question, sir. Um, I'll throw some numbers at you and then you tell me what you think. 22nd on the power play at 15%, 25th on the penalty kill at 77%. 25th in the faceoff at 47%, giving up 31 shots against per game. And then uh, if you look at their record, they're 10-3-1, they're, they're second in the NHL overall with 21 points. So your question of, of how's it going, what's going on in St. Louis, sir, um, I was not able to answer that question going through it. Well, what it tells me is they're winning a lot of close games, and they're getting great, great goaltending, which I think the stats bear out between Jake Allen and, and Carter Hutton, even though he's only played in three Absolutely. games. He's played unbelievable. So, you know, uh, this was a team that originally, when we did our preview shows, uh, I had as one of the wild cards. But in between our last West show, I bailed on them once the news came that they lost Robbie Fabry for the year. And I said, that, that's it. That's too much. Like, I felt like, uh, it was just going to be too much to handle. But, you know, they they talent on this team. I mean, Jaden Schwartz is back to being a, a prime-time player. Obviously, Tarasenko. Paul Sassy's put together a, a real good year. Braden, Braden Shin, your old boy, is, has been uh, has been well. And give Mike Joe some credit here. And, um, yeah. you know, basically they're, they're off to a great start in the Central. Winnipeg's off to a really good start. And everyone else in the division, I think, is is kind of right around 500 or so. So uh, yeah, they, they they could be uh, they're putting themselves in good position. Yeah, too. I wanted to highlight uh, Jaden Schwartz. Um, always yeah. been a nice complimentary player, but to come out of the gate with eight goals, nine assists, 17 points, uh, taking some of that scoring load 
that was lost with Fabry and, and also lightening the load on uh, Tarasenko there, who's, who's having a nice start to the season with 14 points. Um, yeah, he, he, he gets to get highlighted in that. And, and I'll throw the numbers for Jake Allen, not shabby. 2.34 goals against, 9.23 save percentage. He's 7-3-1. and one. Um, and Carter Hutton, you mentioned, 3-0 and with a 1.67 goals against and a 9.5 save percentage in his three starts. So that's that's got to bode well down the road when you're playing your back-to-backs and, and you get into the, the frigid days of February and in about the 40, 45, 50 game mark that you can keep Jake Allen fresh and get, you know, have confidence that, that Carter Hutton is going to be able to be that guy who can, you know, keep Jake Allen start somewhere around the 60 55-60 game mark instead of the 65-70 game mark that, you know, some teams are forced to go to, you know, when they lose confidence in that backup. So, so it's got to be, it's got to be team effort basically all around is, is what I came up with. I haven't been able to see um, any St. Louis Blues hockey here in Las Vegas, but except for the game that the Golden Knights beat them. And, you know, I couldn't put my finger on why they were so good when they're, you know, outplayed, by an expansion team. So um, going through the numbers, it didn't stand out to me either. So the St. Louis Blues, it's not smoke and mirrors. They got, they're getting great goaltending. They're getting, uh, you know, the, the team philosophy has always been strong, even with Coach Hitchcock in uh, St. Louis, where yep. the, the sum of the parts is greater than the individual pieces, if you will. And I think this year is probably – well, let's let's say that I think we both maybe overrated the Central Division when we were doing our preview shows. Um, we, you know, with the the Minnesotas, the Chicago's, the Nashville's, the Winnipeg's. I know you were really high on Winnipeg to start the season too. Oh, they did and, doing uh, well. I think they lost their first. Absolutely. Two. Keep in mind they 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 lost their. I believe I want to say they lost their first two games, and since then they've they've been lighting it up. Absolutely, but the rest, like you said, the rest of them are sitting right around six, five, and one, five, six, and two, whatever, whatever the case may be. They're not, they're not playing up to what us and a lot of people thought the Central Division might shake up into is being just quite a gauntlet to to run through if you wanted to have have any say in that division. And uh, St. Louis, if if the rest of the teams aren't careful and St. Louis stays at the pace they're on, they're going to just outpace the rest of that division, like Washington's been doing out east the last couple of years um so let's uh, the other riser and and uh, i i know you you have some thoughts on this because they're right there in the uh metropolitan area so to speak the new jersey devils coming out of the gate on fire sir what say you about the devils? yeah it's a big surprise i mean i you know if you said to me give me five teams before the season started that will be in the lottery for sure. The Devils had to be one of them. Uh, in the division they're in, uh, the Metro, off to, I mean, an incredible 9-3-0 start. Uh, you know, obviously, Corey Schneider's probably the best, you know, under-the-radar goalie going. Um, you know, Taylor Hall uh, has been great, 16 points. He got off to a great start last year, and then between injury and then uh, second half kind of teetered off a bit. But, you know, guys like I never even heard of. I mean, Jesper Bratt, who our buddy Russ Cohen did a good article on a couple of weeks ago over at Sports. You can find that at sportsology.com. Six-round pick uh, in 2016, five goals, 11 assists, Swedish forward. Right. Uh, how about this one? Brian, I, I'll even go one better than a six-round pick. Brian Gibbons. I'm like, who the heck is Brian Gibbons? 
29-year-old, <laughs> basically, rookie. Guys played uh, roughly before the se- this year started 55 games, had not scored an N- a goal in the NHL in like four years. He's got six goals and eight points. And then Will Butcher uh, helping out on the power yeah, play. He's, he's playing fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, Nico Hischler has uh, looked nice, a couple goals, eight points. And, you know, guys like Palmieri, Henrique, and Marcus Johansson, they're pitching in, but they're supposed to really be carrying the load. Uh, you know, the one thing I will say is, you know, uh, their first-round pick, Pablo Zaka, has yet to take off. That's a little concerning. I don't think this will continue. I think this is going to be very similar for the Devils like a couple of years ago where they wound up uh, being a you know a seller, but uh, they'd be a lot more competitive than most of us realize. But uh, kudos to them. They lost last night in Edmonton, ironically. But, uh, you know, they do have speed, so maybe they're going to be better uh, than we anticipate. But, I, again, I, I still think that this is a team that, uh, you know, the future's heading in the right direction, but, um, uh, you know, I, I got I to gotta see more. Well, I'll give you a couple of stats to back up your hesitancy. Um, Schneider, who is, you know, generally thought of as, as a, a, if he's not elite, then certainly top flight NHL goaltender, right? Yeah. He's 6-2, and two, but he's sporting the 3.09. Uh, goals against and and, and you know running well, the mill nine point one six goals against. I saw average. that too. You know uh, what's so, you know what's alarming about that is look at his save percentage though. So that tells you yeah. I think his save percentage is really good. So if your save percentage is really good and your goals against is a bit high, that means that in my opinion it's a team in front of you uh, isn't carrying enough of their weight. So. That 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 could be a little bit of a hidden stat or a couple of stats put together that you know really kind of hmm. And then how is you know if that's the case, how are they nine three and zero? So um, right, you know that's something to to keep in mind uh, moving forward a bit. But so far so good. Well, they're also twenty first on the penalty kill, twenty uh, ninth in the face off circle, and thirtieth in shots allowed. The one, their one stat that I'll like that, uh, that's going to show some some positive team play is they're sitting fourth in the league on the power play at twenty six percent. So, that is, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Again, if you would have told me at the start of the year that the Devils were going to be a top five power play team, I'd I'd huh. looked at you like you had two heads. Yep. All right. So so uh and uh, I guess wait, in, terms of, in terms of falling in terms of falling now let's stick right uh, there I in the New York go, metropolitan area yeah got to go Rangers yeah, it was a lot of story we we were over uh, texting each other last Tuesday when Vegas came into town you know after losing uh, to the Islanders but um uh and and playing yeah, the who, playing the Rangers easy. and I was <laughs> I'm just teasing and, um, and you I didn't watch you. the game, sir. You didn't watch the game. <laughs> and I was, uh, and, that, and I was, I saw Knights were in control. And Knights were in control before Dance got hurt. All right. Take it easy. Again. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, there was a lot, there was a number of speculation that Vigneault 
who was one of the best coaches in the league, was on the hot seat and hot, hot seat, if you will. And there was some talk. If they lost to Vegas, they could he could be let go, which is yeah. which is incredible. And Vegas was up four two going to third, and then the Rangers rallied. They by far had their best win of the year the other night when they won two one in Tampa. But they still have work to do. This is what a this is what happens when you have a bad start. Uh, even with those two wins, they're still five seven and two, and they got a big game tonight in Florida, who's had their own set of issues. And after that, you know, the Rangers go back home where they've played a number of road games too, which is a little alarming. They have that kind of record, and they played all. They had a six-game homestand. So we, uh, the, with the Vegas game ended a six-game homestand. They go home and play Columbus, Boston, and Edmonton, and then they go on the road and play Chicago and Columbus. So that's a, that's not an easy six-pack of games there. So uh, no. we'll see where they are at after those seven games. If the game the other night was a one-off against Tampa, uh, or if they're going to start getting things uh, straightened out, if you will. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with the Panthers tonight, who who ironically do not have a great record, but they've been scoring goals. <laughs> their, their problem, believe it or not, has been keeping the puck out of the net. Usually in all past years they've been good, and they've had problems scoring goals, but they've kept the puck out of the net. Well, here's some here's some more stats on, on the Rangers. 10th uh, in the league on the power play, 20%. 19th in the league on the penalty kill, 80%. Uh, both kind of pedestrian numbers. Um, doing pretty good in the face-off dot, 52%. They're 7th in the league. 11th in the league, with, and this is where, where the problem, and, and you hate to say, say it, but, um, you know, 11th in the league in shots allowed, 31 shots a game. But then you go to Hank, and he's given up three goals a game, and his save percentage is, is 90, basically, 0.904. Um, a lot of the Rangers' troubles have been between the pipes so far this year. And as you mentioned the Golden Knights game. Again, the Golden Knights were in control of that game. They're winning 4-2. Um, and then they got to the third period, and for, for whatever reason, Perron takes two horrible, lazy penalties back-to-back, um, -back, and they give up you know, you can't put that kind of a pressure on on a guy who was a backup in the minor league. Let's face it. Uh Maxine Legacy has done everything he could do, but if you if you keep putting, you know, making stupid mistakes and putting that kind of pressure on the kid, he's going to crack. I mean, let's face it. Um that so yep. again, they were we they were in control of both games in in New York and and uh weren't wasn't able to hang on against the Islanders when Dan Scott hurt, but still came in and dominated the Rangers uh, for 40 minutes of hockey, 45 yeah. minutes of hockey, and you know threw that game away. I'm going to say it right now. Uh, I like the rebound yeah, well, I'm seeing before, today. Go ahead. Before we uh, move on to the night, the Rangers, I could tell you, being out here, they real quick have three problems. One, they're not strong enough at center. To, they're fine defensively in terms of their uh, blue line, in terms of their first three guys. Uh, you know, Shattenkirk does his thing, Shea and Brady Shea and, and McDonough. Their defenders after that are not strong enough. That's hard to win when you have three guys you can really, really trust. 
and I don't think this has reared its head yet enough. Uh, is their backup goalie situation in Pavlik? I, I think that's a big step down to where they've been the last few seasons with Rant and Talbot. And uh, with Lundqvist, uh, sure. you know, going to be 36 in March, you know, he's, he's a, you're not going to be able to ride him like you used to and get the same kind of production. So those are the three really big concerning areas for the Rangers. But why don't we get to the, the Knights? We've talked about them a bit here and there. You've mentioned about they're on their fourth goalie in this current road trip a bit. I think you're you're not giving the Islanders enough love because it was a tie game. Islanders, you know, sometimes first periods are uh, not their forte, which Doug Wade has to crack the whip on. But uh, be that as it may, you know, if, if you know they got three more games left on this current road trip, I, I take it that they're up one nothing at intermission. Is that correct, sir? Yeah, yeah. One nothing end of one, and I so, just watched the highlight of the of the goal. Uh, Carlson skated into the corner and was checked up by a, by a Senators defenseman. And we talked about Alex Tuck a little bit earlier. He skated in six four two twenty, pulled the puck out of the corner, skated right to the front of the net, and jammed it home. Um, prototypical power forward goal scorer uh, is a beauty beauty to watch there, sir. Beauty to watch. Uh, yeah, kid, so they, kid they got is. And I'd like them to win this game because their style of play, if if they can maintain it against the Senators' style of play, I think uh, the Golden Knights have more speed. I think they have more skill. And if they can get through the Senators' uh, neutral ice trap, if you will, then uh, I'd like them to win the game today even before the game, even before we started the show today. Um, they got Toronto yeah, they on deck, I believe. Yeah, yeah, they have Toronto and Montreal in the back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. So if they can get, you know, two wins between today and Tuesday and finish the yeah. road trip, even though two and four is not a sexy record by any means, uh, salvaging. Hopefully, they're get. Hopefully, some of these goalies are on the mend. I haven't seen anything. I know Subban was going to be out a month when he got hurt, so we're probably looking at earliest of Thanksgiving, if not a few days after that. Uh, I haven't read anything about Flory, which makes me think that he's going to need a little bit more time with the concussion. And well, the, thing was, the, the, the thing with Dan Flory is he, he was on the road trip, and I haven't heard, I haven't seen a duration on Dansk either. But it was, um, you know how they are about injuries in the National Hockey League. It's going to be yeah. lower body and and whatever. But the interesting thing about Flory is you don't let a guy on a on a plane with a concussion. To fly oh, around he, I, 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 under, I, under cabin pressure. He's on the he's on the trip. Why is he on? That doesn't make any sense I, because I read before. I, I don't know. I read before the trip started. He wasn't going to go on the trip, which right. made sense to me for the reason you just said. And absolutely, yeah, that doesn't make that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Uh, Unless you know. they thought was he was a, close, you know. Depending on what they left him in the game when he took the concussion for the whole rest of the game. That's another out of the three yeah, losses the Knights had. They, I, I'm going to say they were the best team on the ice at, at, for long stretches of all three games. Um, and and he took that knee in the head in the second period, and then they give four goals in to Detroit when they were outclassing Detroit. Um, so there's there's I don't get it. I don't I don't get what happened there. Why didn't the NHL uh, spotter uh, yank him off the ice. He was laying there face down with his head in his hands on the ice for crying out loud. Yeah, that, that, um, that, that, that you, was get, you get him off the ice, 
and but th- but now if the medical staff thought he was closer um, to coming back and you were going to be able to use him at some point on this road trip, then then yeah, take him along. Um, but if if you you were thinking you were going to be a week into it and then you know get through the Ottawa game and have you know basically Toronto and Montreal left over before you come back home, why? Why even bring yeah, him along on the trip? It, it, it does. I, I don't get that. I don't get that. Unless you know he's going to suit up in Toronto. I mean, you know, we yeah. don't know. But um, very strange, very strange. And I will say, and uh, I, uh, I, I guess good. Well, good. The, Toronto. You know, we just sung their praises for twenty minutes. So um, <coughs> a little bit of a losing. I don't know. I, I don't know if if yeah, the Knights might be just what. Toronto. If you're here in Vegas, bet the over on the Toronto Golden Knights game. They might have to set that one at six and a half. But uh, you could see a six-four style game uh, in Toronto because they get they get up and down the ice. Um, but but going into into Montreal, Carey Price uh, three point seven goals against and an eighty-seven save percentage. Um, uh, one of the nights, one of, beyond that. Ugh. One of the Knights' strengths yeah, no, this season is the face-off. Uh, is the face-off dot? They were fourth in the league when they left on the road trip, and you know, with home ice center center matchups and whatnot, they've dropped down to ninth. Sure. But uh, Montreal is twenty-third in the league, losing forty-eight per, or losing fifty-two percent of their their uh, face-offs, and they're allowing thirty shots a game. So, uh, if they, like you said, if they can hold on in Ottawa, and then. Get in, get into Montreal and get a good effort on the last last uh, game of the road trip. Come out of there with four points. Um, their first twelve games were were a fantastic success, in my opinion. Yeah, considering it, yeah, it, it hasn't just been the goalies. Marshall missed a couple games. Holland missed a couple games. Um, the best defenseman on the roster, Theodore, spent all this time uh, playing in the AHL. Um, and then the Shippeshoff situation is is is. Freaking yeah, I wanted to get to that. Uh, uh, that's yeah. uh, that's the last 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 point of the show, and it's Ridiculous. I called this ship ashore back, back to Russia with no love for you, James. Yeah, Brown, no, fans, no love, uh, no love. Um, you know what? This is probably a blessing in disguise. You know the 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 Golden sure. Knights, and I don't blame them. You know, being an expansion franchise, um, you know, took a took chance a shot. on a guy from the K on in the K figuring they were sure. going to need some offense. And, you know, between the veteran forwards, they picked up an expansion as well as, um, you know, some of the younger kids like an Alex Tuck and an Oscar Lindbergh and then the kids that they drafted who, who may maybe one or two of them could be on the team next year. Um, you know, Shippershoff going back, basically canceling the two-year deal, getting the $4.5 million worth of cap space back, Yes, it was a bunch of drama that the team and the organization didn't need. Yes, it you know it's not the kind of thing any team wants to go through and get headlines with. But you know what? You know he moves on. So be it. Good luck to you. And that's it. And we move. And the Knights move on with their team. And uh, so uh, and and get the cap space back. So they can use that cap wanna, space. Want to know how during, I feel during about the it? season? <laughs> they could use it real quick. They could use that cap space during the season, be it a trade, or use it in the off season for either a trade or a free agent, 
and and, and so be it. But yeah, I got a funny feeling. Uh, I, I know how you feel about it. The, but go ahead. The only pro- the only problem I have is that if they do cut his contract, they I think they need to sign a secondary deal with the agent that he does not come back to the NHL for a year or two. I, I would hate to see him throw a fit. Yeah, he has, if he throws a fit and pouts and acts like a little kid at 30 years old and runs away back to Mother Russia um, like a little wuss, um, then then you don't get well, rewarded I, I, by I being think, a free agent and coming back to the league. Yeah, I, 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 I don't – first off, I don't think any team – uh, is going to be running to sign him, let alone sure. at a four and a half million dollar number, based on based on that, uh, on a two year deal. So even if for whatever reason they, you know, they basically he went back and he could come back next year, I think a lot of teams would have a lot of eyebrows up, and you can't chalk it off to well he was a kid and he, he didn't handle it well. No, he's a thirty year old guy, thirty year old, you man. know. So and yeah, so. He's a he's a he's he's a veteran. So um, yeah, I I I don't think anyone's going to be breaking. I I think it's going to take quite some time for him, if he ever does, a to come back to the NHL and b if he does, he's going to probably have to take a much lesser de- deal and a one year deal to prove himself. But you know that's for another day. I think the Knights are they like I said they have plenty of forwards. Um, you know their big thing is going to be trying to sift through some of these pending uh, UFAs from, you know, they're going to have to keep, a, you know, they're going to trade some and they're going to keep a couple. You know what I mean? So who do they keep? Who do they trade? Who do they, you know, who works out salary cap-wise? It makes sense, big picture, things of that. And who, what can they get back for them in return uh, in terms of between now and the trade deadline for building this team going forward? All interesting questions moving forward for George McPhee. And honestly, not easy easy questions to answer. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and finish my thought on on Mr. Shifashev here. Uh, I'll tell you one thing about Las Vegas: we're not enamored with celebrities that think highly of themselves. Um, we bump into Andre Agassi at the pizza joint. We we pop in and, and you know back in the day we were at the Las Vegas Thunder game and and we're walking down the concourse and I'm with my buddy Masuch and. You know, he's like, there goes the next National League Cy Young winner. And I look over, and, and it's it's freaking Greg Maddox, okay? And he's rolling down the concourse, uh, just jeans and a T-shirt, watch, go, going to the hockey game as, as just part of the community. You know, Mayweather lives here. We see celebrities all the time. You know, a lot of people that work in the casinos have to deal with celebrity all the time. And we're not enamored with you. If if uh, you got a bunch of guys, and I'll, I'll I'll throw Shea Theodore and Alex Stuck out there. They were the other two roster exam players who went down to Chicago, and they went down there and lit up the AHL, Mr. Shipachev, and you did not. So let me tell you what. You don't want to be in Las Vegas. We don't want you in Las Vegas. Run on home to Russia. Let the door hit you where the good Lord splits you, my friend. You got 23 other guys on the roster that sold out for this city on one October and you don't want to be a part of it. We don't want you here. See you later. Well, I, I could I definitely understand that sentiment. So, uh, you know, so next, so again, uh, to wrap things up next week, uh, first off, uh, a couple of things. One, as Mark said at the top, uh, you can find our shows at 
on SoundCloud page uh, under either you can look under Russ Cohen or Sportsology and find our shows there. The Vegas Hockey Podcast very thrilled to be partnering with Russ on his channel. Uh, also, you can follow Russ at Sportsology at Sportsology uh, as well as his website Sportsology.com and Grandstand Sports Network. Uh, which I, the Twitter is at Grandstand underscore SN, uh, GrandstandSportsNetwork.com. They have our hockey show as well as uh, a, a number of others. They have a Roto hockey show. They have one on the Bruins. They have uh, one on the Sabres. Um, that's just off the top of my head. So uh, check check those guys out. As, uh, check that site out as well. Uh, so, uh, and you can find our show as well on Blog Talk Radio at blogtalkradio.com. Next week, we have uh, a, a second-time guest, uh, the the leader, the godfather of the NHL on the Ice podcast, which I'm uh, very happy to contribute to on Sunday nights at six o'clock Eastern. <laughs> Mr. Brian Yates will be on, and I want to ha- I want we really wanted Brian on uh, to talk Detroit Red Wings team that. Uh, we've had a hard time getting guests on about a really good guest, and Brian is uh, a Detroit guy. Uh, he loves his Red Wings, but he's also very candid about them. And to me, the Red Wings marker a very interesting story because they're kind of in between, they're, they're, and they're really not good enough to make a note. I mean, the best case for na- scenario for them in terms of this year is, you know, sneak into the playoffs and get blown out in the first round, and I'm sure that's now what Red Wings uh, Nation wants. So we'll get a kind of a, a, a view from uh, Brian's perspective of what does the future hold for the Red Wings in terms of this year and moving forward. Uh, so really excited about having Brian on next week. Uh, right, right. Red Wing Hockey. Ottawa just tied it up. One-to-one Mark Stone, 21 seconds into the second Ottawa's period. Pretty, you know, that's a tough game. Ottawa's, Ottawa's pretty good. Sure, and real quick, sure. did you? I, I sent you. The, I sent you the tweet I sent out. I uh, 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 via direct message. Did you see? Uh, there was a story by Darren Drager. Supposedly, it's a done. It's a dead deal now. But Ottawa, Colorado, and Nashville were talking about a three-way trade where Duchesne was going to go to Ottawa, Kyle Turner's was going to go to Nashville, and um, I take it Colorado was going to get futures be it prospects and picks i'm guessing or maybe a young defenseman off one of those rosters uh but uh the deal fell apart and um it's supposedly it's supposedly dead dead on arrival but i was that was kind of and ottawa has according to that story has been trying hard to get duchene uh, uh the last uh, couple months or so so uh, they definitely have they definitely have the the young players uh to, to do it if they were willing to, to, to give up. I mean, I'll give you one. I'll, I, if I was Joe, Joe Sackett, give me Thomas Shabbat. Done deal. I'll build my own line along, around that guy. The, Joe Sackett's out of his mind. Um, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. Uh, maybe maybe he could uh, get Dreisaitl and McDavid. For for Dishing, that's <laughs> I'm I'm at I'm at the point now where that's the deal he's shopping for, right? 
if if you if that doesn't work, maybe you get Crosby and Malkin for Duchesne out of Pittsburgh. Um, you know, what whatever uh, that that whole situation. And and kudos to Colorado who jumped out to a pretty good start this year. But um, yeah, they're around five hundred. Yeah. Yeah. That's just that's just a horrible thing. And and uh, who knows what's going on there. One more thing on Mr. Shipachev, I will say, Mr. Shipachev, not Vegas strong. Um, that that's readily apparent. So, yeah, I think, going back real quick, last <laughs> point on, I want to make that <laughs> I think it's going to get, if you're going to get anyone overpay, I think it's going to be a team that has, uh, who, like Calgary. In my mind, this kind of went under the radar. I'm not just saying this because the Islanders trade him, and I love Travis Hamonet. But for the Islanders to get, uh, two twos and a and a one for Hamannick, who's a, you know a top you know a secondary defenseman, a good contract, good cap hit, yada yada yada, good guy, good player. I, I thought they did extremely well. Now here's the thing, though, they they were willing to wait a year because they did this last June, so those picks don't kick in until this June. So they were willing to wait a year, so they're willing to wait on their on their the assets that they got back. So. Because of that, I think it opened a window to really maximize return. And obviously, with draft picks, you never know from that standpoint, too. Uh, but having said that, I think that's, you know, a kid who's knocking on the door, like a Thomas Shabbat, or like a Colin, uh, you know, Colin White, or like a Logan Brown. You know, those teams are like, wait a minute, these guys are knocking on the NHL door if they're not already here. Uh, their chances of making it, uh, being becoming a premier player, on you know, it's very hard to get a guy like that, let alone a young guy who's or, already, I don't want to say established, but already off to a flying start. So if you're trying to maximize return, those are the, those are the kind of deals that, that's, to me, where they're going to have to uh, sink, the, sink their teeth into. Yeah. Sooner or later, he's going to get traded. It's probably going to be later than sooner, but you would hope so. Maybe, maybe someone will floor him at the deadline. And I don't know. Yeah, that doesn't usually happen. But again, I think <laughs> it's going to be. I think it's going to be either a draft pick heavy or b a team like Toronto, uh, which is not a fit for Duchesne. But like we said before, why would Toronto? Let's say with Vegas, who had, you know, they're going to probably move a Lucas Spies at the deadline. Why would they trade a Jeremy Bracco, who could be a good young forward moving forward for a rental? Because they have so many of them. So that that's a big key too. If you're Joe Sankic, you and you're looking for defense, you young defenders, you should be going around the league and you should know off the top of your head, hey, these five organizations are very deep with young, young blue liners, both on the NHL roster, their AHL roster, and what they have in the junior ranks. Those are the teams that can swallow giving up a player or two of them versus a team that are thin at that position or an organization that's thin at it. That's where he should be attacking. Yeah, I guess if you made the decision that you want to move – Move him out, then that's 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 where you want to go. But um, I guarantee man, you, man, remember when remember when Patrick Watt was in the playoffs 
and and how fast that was a while ago and, and skilled and exciting that young hockey team was that was um how you get to the point where you're going to break it up you know it's not that far removed well, I, I think I, I i don't think he's been convinced to Shane to 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 sign an extension at this point after this season no I mean, uh, certainly not you painted yourself into a corner and he's got he's going to take advantage of you now yeah, I guarantee you this. What I just said about Sackick, that George McVie and his staff has already done and will continue to do that regarding their defenders in terms of what teams should we be looking at with picks and prospects that are that are deep organizations that can afford to, to, to do business and get the best return on our investment. And we mentioned before about Toronto having all those young forwards knocking on the door. They're not going to have room for all of them, so they'll be they'll be a willing partner, I would think, to trade one of them to help their team for this year and then we'll see if they can reassign them kind of thing. If it's a if it's a Brendan McNabb or a Lucas Bizzo or a guy like that. So you know, that's what the smart organizations do. So uh anyway, we'll have to to be continued I guess on that on that front. But really excited next year to have Brian on and again thanks to Andrew We'll definitely have him back on again midseason uh, to see check in with him on the Leafs uh, uh, and see what's going on with them. Vegas Golden Knights goal! They've been laying oh, lumber to Ottawa here sure. in the uh, second period, uh, out shooting Ottawa eleven to one in the second. The only shot that Ottawa took, they scored on. Um, out shooting Ottawa eighteen to six for the game. They just finished killing or they just finished a power play. Ottawa kills it off, and then Halla uh, pumps in pumps in a goal from Marcia Shaw and Perron to take a 2-1 Vegas Golden Knights lead as we leave the airways. There you go. There you go. There you go. So uh, we, we, we went through our uh, end of the show. Everybody's prepped up for next week, so they know where to find us. Um, it's been a really good show. I uh, enjoyed talking with Andrew Forge today, and I always enjoy talking with you, Chris. Um Oh, and yeah, and I, I forgot to mention one last thing. For those who missed last week's show, that was a great show as well. Check it right. out. We had Mark Scheig on to talk Blue Jackets. We had the great Zach Devine on to talk Sharks, Pacific Division, and a sneak peek, a sneak peek of this upcoming NHL draft in June, which is loaded. So you definitely want to listen to that show. All right, all right. Um, I'm going to go out and watch the rest of this Golden Knights game. And uh, you enjoy the rest of your Saturday afternoon out there on Long Island. Chris, we'll be back at everybody same time next Saturday. So for Chris, I'm Mark, and we're gone.